0: Find the link in the description notes to learn how you can invest. If you believe America
1: is going to survive, apartments will be an important part of that and and we will continue to thrive as well.
2: Welcome to Ritter on Real Estate, the show about how to passively invest like a pro. On each episode, I interview real estate experts who give their top investing advice, strategies, and tools, and I break down their insights into practical steps to avoid the pitfalls and make better investments. I want to help you passively invest like a pro. This is Ritter on Real Estate and I'm your host Kent Ritter. Welcome to Ritter on Real Estate. I'm your host Kent Ritter and you know as we all know the, these have been trying times. We're, we're all hunkered down. We're sheltering in place and on top of that many many of us uh, have seen our, our stock portfolios wipe out years of gains in the past couple of weeks. Um, luckily I'm I've uh, diversified my assets uh, into other things such as commercial real estate. And uh, I think the question is still out on how commercial real estate's going to perform, uh, you know, right now, based on where we're at with the, with COVID-19. Um, so I wanted to, to bring on an expert today to get, uh, get some perspective and help us get our arms around what do we think that impact's going to look like and what we can expect into the future. Um, so I've got, tag Burge today. He's the CEO of Burgenheld Held Asset Management. Uh, Burgen Held has acquired over 1.2 billion in assets under management, including 11,000 apartment units. Uh, so they're not, only, they're not only large owners, uh, but they're also completely vertically integrated. So they've got internal property management and construction management as well, which I think gives them a really unique perspective uh, from the ground up. So we're really excited to have Tag here today. Um, you know, Tag's been in the industry for for a number of years. He, he's well tuned in to what's happening, uh, not only through his own portfolio, but in the capital markets and broader. So excited to get his perspective. And with that, thanks, Tag. Thanks for being on today. And, Thank you, uh, Camp. Yeah, we're excited to get into the conversation. So, So let's get started. So let's just start at the top. I mean, where... Obviously, this has been a large disruption to your business, but where's your head out right now? And and what are you focused on um, as, as you're working through mitigating, you know, what's happening with the coronavirus?
1: Well, first, let me just say that um, anybody who's dealing with this right now has to be focused on the health and safety uh, of their employees. Um, and obviously, the tenant base that we serve. Uh, We believe that the apartment industry is going to survive and thrive through this. Uh, I do think that there's going to be significant disruptions in the commercial real estate industry. The way I usually think about it is, are you a demographic play or or are you a GDP, uh, gross domestic product play? Mm -hmm. And clearly apartments with more and more people moving into apartments being an essential need is a growing demographic play. I think apartments are going to fare well coming out of the next 90 to 120 days. We will certainly have our challenges in the industry. Uh, but coming out of it, I think we'll do uh, better than other groups such as hospitality, uh, retail, entertainment, uh, because there's inevitably going to be some contraction uh, in the economy once we come out of this shelter-in-place world.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks. And, and how do you see... How do you see asset class as you look at different asset classes, A, B, C? um, Do you see a difference in the impact based on the asset class? Or do you anticipate a difference in the impact? Do you expect some to fare better than others?
1: Yeah, it's a great question, Kent. I mean, we're really in uncharted water. Um, I think that uh, you could see some movement down from the A to B. I mean, if you look at the last decade, Obviously, most of the product that has been built has been A class. We still have uh, an incredible affordability crisis going on around America. I think you could see some migration from A to B because some of the A folks were maybe stretching for those $150, $2 a foot rents. uh, And B product, the Midwest, is more like a dollar rents. So people try to repair their balance sheet. I I think you could see some migration. In the short term, if you look at the stimulus bill, Uh, Folks who make $75,000 or less, which is 99% of our occupants in our kind of B workforce housing product, those folks are going to get a check. Uh, I am not completely up to speed with the legislation, but I think it's going to be somewhere between uh, $1,200 for an individual and up to $3,000 for a family potentially. And so there is going to be some immediate relief put into the tenant base of the workforce housing. If you're making over $75,000 and you've lost your job, uh, I don't think the stimulus bill uh, is going to cover those folks. So they may have just as much stress with less uh, government intervention.
2: Mm-hmm. And that's a really good point. A really good point. So what are, you know, what are you guys doing as a team to, to help those, to assist your, your tenants and uh, to mitigate the bad debt that, that potentially could be coming? I mean, what, what have you guys put into place as kind of your mitigation strategy?
1: Well, I mean, I think um, like anybody right now, it's about retention of the folks that you can hold on to. I think there's going to be less movement in the apartment industry the next 90 to 120 days. Typically in our B workforce, 40, 50% is the turnover that you would expect. Uh, We are really focused on trying to provide folks with a place uh, to stay so that they're not motivated to leave. Uh, We are instituting a $50 discount. To anybody who pays uh, before April 5th to give folks incentive. And candidly, we're gonna work with people uh, who are hurting, who've lost their job. Uh, it's no secret that people in hospitality, retail, restaurants, uh, which is disproportionately representing the B workforce, uh, have lost their jobs, either have been furloughed or laid off. And we're gonna work with those folks on a payment plan. And right now, Uh, we're contemplating a no eviction policy for folks who have been good payers who can document, uh, that they have been laid off and are willing to sign a promise to pay agreement with us.
2: Oh yeah. Well, I think that's great. I mean, it's a great service for folks. Obviously. Um, there's a, there's a certain amount of humanity in all of this, right? I mean, it's a business we have to run, but at the same time and we're dealing with people's lives and where they live. So appreciate that perspective of being able to work with folks and, uh, Know help them through help them through the process. Um, I know that. I know also Fannie and Freddie have, have come out and said that they're they're going to offer you know certain incentives right for for operators uh, as far as furloughing loan payments and things. Do you, if they if they follow certain requirements, I mean, do you see that having? I guess how has that changed your perspective? Is that is that drastic? Um, yeah, go ahead.
1: We're we're really. We're really in uncharted waters uh, with COVID-19 in terms of how how quickly it's impacted our workforce uh, around America. And I think Fannie and Freddie uh, are probably looking at lessons learned from 2008. I think our country is in a better position for this crisis, which is both a humanitarian and health crisis, but could also quickly turn into a financial crisis. Uh, with uh, banks pulling back or foreclosures rising. And what I'm seeing is a kind of an attitude from the financial sector that we're all in this together. Uh, I worked uh, in commercial real estate in 2008, and I can tell you that that was not the sentiment. It was uh, kind of us against them, the lenders and the borrowers. And I'll never forget in 2008, a week after the financial crisis started, lenders sending out uh, defaults, technical defaults, and loan-to-value covenants. To me, this crisis feels completely different, and Fannie and Freddie are two of the groups that maybe are evidencing that by the fact that they just announced yesterday that they're going to modify their notes to have a forbearance agreement for up to 90 days uh, with landlords who agree to a no-eviction policy. We were already looking at a no-eviction policy. I think Bannie and Freddie, who is a disproportionate lender in the apartment world, we use them extensively, is really smart to take this. It'll give uh, landlords breathing room to work with their tenants, uh, to have a passion for people, which is one of our core values, without the financial pressure bearing down for at least 90 days. And I think everybody is hoping that the country is open for business in 90 days, and so they've really given are in the process of giving landlords around the country breathing room, uh, to work and help their tenants without the mortgage payment bearing down imminently.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hopefully it's, um, like you said, I like that perspective of, of everybody's taking their lessons learned from two thousand eight, and, and it does feel like what we are financially in a better situation. But I think, like you said, that could that could turn if things aren't handled correctly and, and if we don't take the right action now. So, but it's good to hear that, that it sounds like um, at least we're, we're not going to really relive, relive past uh, you know past issues, and we're learning from our mistakes. So I think yeah, I would great. agree with
1: that. I think one of the other significant pieces is that the um, body that regulates banks. So there's a lot of banks that are out on bridge loans before permanent financing in the apartment world. Uh, they came out with guidance yesterday to work constructively with borrowers. And more importantly for the banks, they've said that if you modify or forbear a note, it's not gonna be classified as bad debt for the commercial lenders, which means that they don't have to reserve against it, which means it gives the lenders a lot more leeway uh, to work with folks, Who are distressed, distressed borrowers without impairing their balance sheets. So that was uh, very significant. In addition to what Fannie and Freddie announced yesterday.
2: Oh, very good to hear. Yeah. So, not classifying it as bad debt means, and not having to reserve against it means they can keep more cash flowing, um, and it allows them right. They don't have to freeze up and increase their requirements. They they can keep more. Not that loans will flow like they used to, but at least keep keep the cash flowing, right?
1: Exactly. I mean, there's no requirement for them. When you have to reserve against bad debt you're pulling liquidity out of the banking system because you're Mm -hmm. forcing it to park on the sidelines and because the regulatory bodies have said that's not the case here there's going to be more liquidity for banks to help borrowers either with lines of credit reworking loans making new loans and again i would tell you that that is a direct result of the lessons learned from 2008 when the regulators did not give um, an inch to the banks and so even if the bank wanted to work with the borrower They were forced with the decision between having to reserve against that loan long term, pulling liquidity out of their system, or helping a borrower in need.
2: Gotcha. This is very cool. I I really appreciate your perspective going all the way back to two thousand eight that you've been through it and and seen how this has evolved and and can understand the differences. I think it's uh, it's awesome perspective that you have here. You know, this show is really about it's really about the investors and, and how do we make smart investment decisions in real estate. So. What should investors be thinking about as they're evaluating investments in, in the post-COVID-19 world? So, so how, does, how should investors be changing their perspective or what additionally should they be taking into account as they, as they look at um, investing their money?
1: That's a great question. Um, I believe that there will be, once we get through the next 90 to 120 days, there will be more interested, more interested investors in hard assets. Um, hard assets being you know, alternative real estate investments. Uh, I believe that there will be a focus on what are essential uh, areas of commercial real estate, residential real estate, and what's gonna grow. And I happen to believe that um, healthcare real estate I think will do very well. There's more money that's gonna go into healthcare real estate, both the hospitals uh, and the outpatient setting. I believe uh, that industrial real estate will do very well. I think uh, we're seeing maybe a fundamental shift uh, accelerated by the stay in place orders where people mm-hmm, are ordering mm-hmm. more online. And I believe uh, apartments, which traditionally have served as a, um, a shelter in the storm, if you will, will continue to do well. Uh, there is a democratic or a demographic move, I should say, Uh, Into apartments. More people are going to be renting, less people are going to be buying. There continues to be government intervention, uh, both helping the tenant base and the GSA uh, government service agencies, Fannie, Freddie, and HUD, are all leaning in to help people. So there'll be lots of liquidity there. And it's not GDP driven in the apartment world. It's just a long term demographic play. And the affordability crisis is not going to go anywhere. And then lastly, I would tell you with the $1.6 trillion that we're getting ready to drop on America in various forms. Uh, At some point, inflation will rear its ugly head, and apartments are one of the best hedges against inflation because the rents reset every 12 months, and the assets are uh, basically take commodities to be built. And if you have inflation, commodities are one of the first things that rise in prices. So, you have the ability to reset rents every 12 months, ability to lock uh, cheap debt long-term and ability to raise rents in a normal economy uh, when there's inflation. So I think there will be more interest in hard assets. And I think uh, apartments will be one of those areas that continues to gain uh, interest from investors looking to diversify their portfolios away from just financial assets.
2: hmm Yeah. And I imagine that there, there will be, like you said, that interest coming. I know I'm, I'm hearing it from, from my friends, um, who, who have been kind of towing in the water on real estate, uh, that, you know, taking that, taking another hit on the stock market has been pretty painful and, uh, and they're starting to ask more questions. So, so I agree with you. I think there's going to be more of a focus there, you know, as as people are, uh, do you, I mean, do you see underwriting as we're evaluating deals? Do you see underwriting changing? Is it, you know, we always talk about conservatism and, and needing to build that in. Do you, do you see a, an extra level of conservatism that's going to need to come after this? Or do you think, I know it's impossible to predict, but in 120 days or when the virus passes, that, that the market will largely return to normal?
1: Um, I think the, the, there will inevitably be some disruption uh, in the marketplace. And I think there will be an assessment of which areas of the country held up, uh, was it A, B, or C that held up the best? Uh, I think typically after you go through a crisis, underwriting tends to lock down, partic- particularly with the commercial banks, they get more conservative. Mm-hmm. But the one thing I would uh, point out to you and your listeners is that 50 to 60% of the apartment uh, debt market is not commercial real estate. It's Fannie, Freddie, and HUD. And if you go back to '08 in order to bring stability to the marketplace, because apartments are a key need of humanity, a place to live, the government actually relaxed the underwriting requirements to make sure that there was still capital flowing in that space and to bring more stability. When you pull the liquidity on the debt side, which is an example will be hotels, there's gonna be no liquidity, no debt, no banks lending into that, you bring more disruption into a space and so I, I do think uh, investors maybe are going to be more conservative, but there's a chance even after this next 120 days that you could see the government backed uh, GSAs and HUD leaning more favorably into it and maybe even relaxing requirements to bring stability to the space just as they did
2: in 08. Oh, really interesting. Yeah. That's counter- uh, kind of counterintuitive to what I thought, but I can see how that makes sense. So if you're looking at uh, the long-term impact on, on multifamily, I know we've, t- we've talked about this a little bit, long-term impact on the apartment industry as a whole. I mean, go, go out a year, two years. Do you see, do you predict at this point that, that things will be different or, or do you think that there's kind of a normalization you know, o- over time where, where things um, return back, back to a status quo? I mean, do you, do you see, I guess to be more specific, do you see cap rates, Uh, continuing to move down at some point or, or, or up or, and do you see uh, interest rates going up or down? I mean, what what do you think after we get through this initial bump as things kind of normalize, how do you think things, um, how do you think things return? Uh, That's a great question. Uh, At a macro level,
1: I think what you're going to see is less housing starts because the consumer confidence is going to be hit pretty hard through this process. So you're going to have, less alternatives to apartments, less affordable housing starts. I think you're going to see less less Class A building. I think you're going to see more building towards the affordable side of the world. People are going to wake up to the fact that we've overbuilt in the Class A uh, kind of high-income urban setting, and there's going to be more interest in the suburban affordable as people try to repair their balance sheets. Um, You know, with the 10-year Treasury below 1%, Typically apartments have a three to 400 basis point spread Uh, in terms of their pricing. I believe that we will be in a low interest rate environment for the next 12, to 24 months. I think there'll be a search for yield, a search for hard assets. And so I think cap rates, once we get through uh, the next 120 days, next four months, take us out 18 months, I think they will be uh, at a 5% or lower for the medium cap rate around the United States as people look for yield, look for uh, an inflation hedge, and see that the B workforce will probably hold up very well, people moving from A to B, and the fact that the government is getting ready to have a major uh, intervention for the first time in one of these crises in the history of the United States, putting money uh, directly into the pockets of the majority of those renters.
2: Gotcha. That's great. So yeah, I mean, it seems like it seems like as as we look for for places to invest. I mean, obviously, you're making the case making the case for apartments, um, understanding that that everybody needs a place to live, right? And, and as we look at that, sure. um, I, I think it's great perspective on taking a look geographically on which parts of the country were hardest hit. Taking a look at asset class, which asset classes were hardest hit, and which ones will will stand up, and and seeing that that surge to to workforce i mean i think that that makes a lot of sense and i mean hopefully from an investor perspective that will continue to open up opportunities for for folks to to get into those properties get in those deals and like you said that search for yield be able to capture some of that cash flow so so hopefully you know silver lining coming if there is anything coming out of all this as we look 6 months a year down the road hopefully that means there there are good investment opportunities to be had and uh, and allow folks to continue to diversify. So We believe
1: that. that it will definitely be a, a favorite asset class when we come through this.
2: Yeah. So you are, you, you probably have, I probably know what you're going to say, but I just want to ask, so coming out of, of COVID-19 as we look beyond, are are you going to be a, a net buyer or a net seller as, as we move into the, the next phase here?
1: I mean, we continue, because we're bullish on the space, uh, we will Most certainly be a a net buyer as we build out our portfolio. Um, Our goal is to aggregate at least 20,000 units. We're at about 11,000 units right now. Uh, We continue to look for opportunities and will continue to look for opportunities uh, to rehab and reposition uh, kind of be suburban place and then keep the rents uh, affordable to folks who make $35,000 a year. Affordability as defined by HUD Uh, is not more than 30% of your gross income uh, going to rent. And our average rent is about $850 a unit across our 11,000 units. And so our units uh, remain affordable as defined by HUD uh, to anybody who's making 35,000 or above, which is a large swath of America.
2: Mm-hmm. That's a good point. You just made me think about something because, you know, I look at a lot of deals. Um, I look at a lot of, of, underwriting. I see, I see rent projections, you know, 3%, 4%, 5% year over year rent growth. Um, you know, so, so people have, have set up a lot of deals with projections that, 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 that that's going to continue. That's going to, I mean, those are five, 10 year trends, right? How do you, um, how do you see rent growth be, being affected coming out of this? I mean, obviously I, I would assume that rent rent growth slows as, as people try to, as people are figuring out, you know, what they can afford and people are going to be looking for jobs that are coming back in. But I mean, what do you think of, about that and how do, I mean, is that, is that going to be one of the biggest breakers of, of whether these deals pencil out is how rent grows or what are you seeing? I guess that's the first question. And, and then if not, I mean, what do you see being the biggest impact of, of whether these deals are hitting their performers or not?
1: Well, I think there's no doubt that um, underwriting going forward for the next 12 months is going to look at the income in place. I think you and I both know that there's been a lot of forward-looking underwriting that assumes 3 to 5% rent growth. I would take that off the map for the next 12 months. Uh, people are going to be looking at the stabilized rent and the, how durable the rent roll is. Uh, And I don't think folks are going to underwrite a lot of growth until we get at least 11 to 12 months because we are going to have some quarters of uh, slower economic activity. I think uh, for every month that we're under a shelter in place, you're pushing back the ability to grow rent by six months. Rent, rent. We will have rent growth again. We will have inflation. Um, It's just a matter of how quickly the economy can get uh, reassembled, if you will. I mean, China is a great example where they are mm. up and running sixty days after you know a virtual shutdown. Uh, and if we can do that, then I think you know this year will be flat. I think next year we'll see rent growth, and I think you'll start hearing the uh, the drumbeat of potential inflation with all the money in the federal government's getting ready to drop into our economy. Right now, we just mm. need to get through the next hundred and twenty days.
0: Right.
2: No, and that that's great perspective. And like you said, bringing up inflation, we, we've been in in an environment where where there has hardly been, you know, inflation's been very low, right, for the for the past ten years. So we think you're thinking longer term, it could actually push inflation higher, which would mean higher rent growth as rent as rent moves with inflation over the longer term. So, so what I'm hearing,
1: yeah, I would agree with your comment. Can't th- inflation has been low but you know three kind of core areas where you've seen it have been housing education and healthcare okay uh, and, and I think you're seeing housing uh, inflation uh, primarily in the affordable space you know rents have been going up three to five percent because there remains just this incredible crisis where demand far outstrips supply right. folks are looking for that affordable housing
2: piece right so if I can if I could sum up a you know what I'm hearing from you from an investor standpoint, it's the, the core fundamentals are still there, right? If, if we take things back to supply and demand, there is still quite a, quite a, a bit of uh variance between the amount of supply that exists in housing and the demand for housing. And, and as we get through this, I mean, that that's not going to go away. Right. Right. The number of people are still there. They still need houses in that's the right. short term though. There's, There's the the idea, the focus from an investor standpoint, I would think should really be on stability and on, you know, focusing on operators that are being realistic, operators that that have the means to manage through the process and are taking the appropriate steps to to maintain occupancy, right? I mean, I think that's really what's important right now. Um, So managing expectations, I think our own expectations a little bit about what's going to happen in the next 12 months, you know, as we look at distributions and things. But then, as as we look into the future, you know, we don't know how long this is going to last. But as you look into the future, it does seem that we will we will return to you know the fundamentals to rent growth. We expect uh, we're hearing Fannie and Freddie and the commercial banks are, are working with us and with the operators to to smooth things out. So hopefully, avoiding an issue like two thousand eight. And uh, so from there, it seems like the long term prospects. Uh, are still strong for commercial real estate and I know you called out some particular sectors such as healthcare um, and apartments and, and industrial that uh, that folks should be looking at so did, is that a good way to, to sum things up did, did I catch a thing or anything else you'd add?
1: No I think you summarized that up.
2: very good very well. well Last question I have for you, you know, in, in everything that happens, there's, there's obviously lessons learned. I know even a mature business like yours, I'm sure there's things that, that you're saying, man, next time we're, we're, we're going to do this better. I mean, obviously nobody expected the shock that we've had right now, but what, what's the one big lesson learned you have at this point And, and what can you implement in, into the future to, to make sure that we're learning from this?
1: Well, I think, you know, I think everybody has to be, creative and more imaginative about the, what, what the worst case scenario could be.
2: Sure. Uh, if you would
1: have asked me 12 months ago, is there any scenario where a virus would shut down the United States of America? Um, I would have told you no way, never going to happen. Right. Possible. Right. And so I think everybody needs to think about their contingency plans in this interconnected world uh, for pandemic diseases. And what you want to do with your staff, uh, with your tenant base, with the amount of liquidity you want to have on hand, with the duration of, of your loans, and just build a, a, mm-hmm. a more conservative uh, analysis based on the fact that black swan events such as a pandemic do happen. Mm-hmm. And you want to make sure that you're in a position to survive and thrive when the inevitable uh, revival um, resurgence occurs, which you know, the great thing about America is that we are the most flexible, most entrepreneurial, most durable economy in the world, and we will come out of this uh, quickly once we can get back to work.
2: Yeah, no, I think, I think that's great. I think the, the idea, um, right, I think there's been other pandemics in the world, right, or, or epidemics at least, that, and America has largely been untouched since, I mean, you go back to maybe the, the Spanish flu and, right. and now it's a reality. It's a reality for us. Right. And it's so reality. I think that that, that reality check is great. Um, I think that goes back from an investor standpoint to, you know, stress testing models, right? And and stress testing that to, like you said, redefining what is a worst case scenario and how are you preparing for that? Right. Or how are, how is your operator? How are the deals that you're looking at? How have they prepared for that? What are their reserves that they're putting into place? Right. What are their contingency plans? Mm -hmm. Um, And how much room is there in the deal? Right. Because I know that, uh, you know, it, if, if you're in a situation where your debt coverage ratio is so slim that, that you can't lose 10% of your occupancy and, and still make the mortgage payment, right? Those deals are, those deals those are in today's day and age, I mean, in today right now, those those deals are going to be, they're, they're done. I mean, those, they're going to have to, no, they're not going to happen or the people that, that are already in them are, are going to be in trouble, right? So making sure that their deal has enough room, making sure the stress testing is happening, um, and making sure that those contingencies and reserves are in place, I think are, are some good lessons learned that I, I take. Away Absolutely. From that, Tag. Well, awesome. Well, Tag, I really appreciate your time today. I mean, I think this was fantastic I perspective. I think um, just hearing again, I, I think it is. It's it's a little bit settling for me to to understand that in the long term, we we think that things will return. Uh, we think that you know apartments and, and other sectors of real estate are still good investments the underlying fundamentals haven't changed this is just a large shock and, and it's really going to be um what we do now to as operators to to come out of this um you know as best we can and mitigate on the other side and like you said be prepared to um to act on the other side when, when the deals do come back and things do settle down
1: right so absolutely it's going to be a great space long term if If you believe America is going to survive, apartments will be an important part of that and and we will continue to thrive as well.
2: Great. Well, thanks, Tech. Thanks again for your time as it's always a pleasure to speak with you and uh, hope to get you back on the show again. Thanks, Kent. Great to see you, buddy. Thanks. Thanks for listening to another great episode of Ritter on Real Estate. Hit the subscribe button to make sure you don't miss out on the content that will make you a better investor. Also, visit KentRitter.com for articles, videos, and tools curated just for passive investors. Until next time, this is Kent Ritter with Ritter on Real Estate. Now go out and invest like a pro.